Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. Before Paul ever corrects the Colossian heirs, so what does he do? He praises their faithfulness. And secondly, what you're going to see that he does in this next passage is he points to the gospel. So he praises their faithfulness and he points to the gospel. Colossians 1 verse 5. Well, we're going to actually read, reread verses 3 and 4 again, but we're going to pick up in verse 5. So let's reread verse 3 and 4. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Now he goes on to say in verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. And he goes on to say, the gospel that has come to you. In this same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and is growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Notice what Paul just did here. He said, I praise your faithfulness, but then he does something. He says, but you know where you got that faithfulness from? Remember, you got it from the message of the gospel. He points to the gospel. So before Paul ever addresses this heir, Paul brings back to their minds the very things that united them in the first place. The gospel message. The verse says, faith and love spring from this hope. The hope stored up for us in heaven. The hope, the promise of eternal life that you will be living with God forever if you trust in Him. And more than just that, you know, the hope of the gospel is so precious. It means that one day, the God of the universe is going to make heaven and earth one and that you're going to live with Him forever in a new body just like He has a resurrected body. In fact, His resurrection is a promise for your resurrection as well. That when he rose from the dead, he's the first fruit of those first fruits of those who are going to rise from the dead, and that's you if you believe in Jesus Christ. And so that body that you're suffering pain in right now, one day you have this hope that you no longer will suffer, not just because you'll be disconnected from it, but because you'll be given a new body, one that doesn't suffer this pain. You'll be raised with Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And your God will be dwelling with his people, with you forever. That that sin that you're struggling with in your flesh right now, in in your body that you presently struggle with it in, one day you'll be given a new body that doesn't struggle with these things anymore. You'll be able to be right with your creator and you'll be able to look Jesus face to face without guilt or shame. And one day we'll be able to stand with our God forever. This is our hope, and we're given a foretaste right now. We are saved right now, aren't we, right? 
And we live in an already, so we already are saved, but there is a not yet portion, and that not yet portion is what we wait on patiently because we're convinced by the power of the Spirit because we have tasted and seen the goodness of God that nothing compares to what we're going to receive on that last day. And so we say no to sin and ungodliness now. Why? Because we know something better is coming. This is what hope does to you. It changes the way you live now. When you have your eyes on the hope of Jesus' return, you have your eyes on the hope of the promises that He's given you, it changes how you live so that your hope is proved in the faith that you live out right now, in the waiting you eagerly expect. And you say, you know what, God? You've given me such great promises for the future. You've given me such great promises for the future that while I'm here, it is reasonable worship for me to offer myself as a living sacrifice to you. So yeah, it's better that I go and I cannot wait for that day as Paul would say in uh, in Philippians chapter 1. But it's better for those that are still here that I stay. And so right now for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I long to be with my God, but right now I'm here for you. This is what happens when you take hold of the gospel. This is it. The verse says that faith and love spring from this hope. This hope is the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. And we really take hold of it. God's love fills our heart. Romans 5.5 talks about how the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is not your natural ability to love, but God's supernatural provision of His love in your heart, given to you by His Spirit, so that you can properly love Him and love others. Without God, this is impossible. And he moved first by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you would be saved. You would have this love placed in you. And while you were here, you would make the invisible God visible. You're his representatives. And this is what the gospel does. This is how the gospel bears fruit. When we get our eyes on what we're aiming for, our hope, the gospel, we sacrifice the unimportant in the temporary for the eternal. My church in Miami, there's this old lady who gave us this amazing china set, okay? She just loved Kylie and I. Her name was Joan Hart. She was a Jamaican lady. And she would say to me, Thomas, don't sweat the small stuff. And then she would say, everything is small stuff. In light of eternity... We cannot forget that these light and momentary troubles, these small disagreements that we get in, it's all small stuff. We need to get our eyes on the gospel. If we lose sight of the gospel, dissensions rise. So Paul is redirecting the Colossians before he ever talks about the error and the dissension that might rise in their church. He gets their eyes back on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. He gets their eyes back on the gospel. Paul is reminding believers who they are by pointing to the God who unites them. The gospel unites. The gospel has the power to do what this false teaching has no power to do. Where the false teaching gives empty promises, do this and you'll be filled. God says it's done in Jesus Christ and if you receive Him, you will be full. Not because you know better, but because you know God. Is Jesus enough, or do you need more? Is Jesus your everything? Oh, Jesus is my everything. Well, is everything enough for you? Christ is sufficient for everything. 
His sacrifice is enough. And when it comes into our heart, when He comes into our lives, we change the way we live because we see the mercy of God. So before Paul ever addresses the Colossian era, what does he do? He praises their faithfulness. He points to the gospel. And finally, something very important that we often forget to do, he prays for them. He prays for them that God's Spirit would give them knowledge of His will. We think, if I could just get their ear, I could convince them. No, you cannot convince somebody with words who is spiritually deaf. God needs to open their ears, and that means you need to lean on Him. It is not up to you whether or not someone understands a spiritual truth. If someone is spiritually blind, God needs to go before you. And so what does Paul do? He understands this, and so he prays for them, that their eyes would be open, that their ears would be opened as well, that they'd be able to hear and understand the will of God that comes through knowledge, that comes through His Spirit. So he praises their faithfulness, he points to the gospel, and then he prays for them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14 goes on to say, For this reason, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Not that I give through my wise and eloquent words, but through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Verse 10, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His saints in the kingdom of light. Now look at what it says here. God qualified you. And God is calling some of you. And you say, I'm not, wor- I'm not worthy to come to God. Now God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He qualifies you. None of us are worthy to come into God's presence. We only get there by the grace of God anyways. And when we're there by the grace of God, He cleans us. He does the work. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that ultimate hopeful day that we're looking forward to. He does the work. Now, we, we do have to stretch forth our hands, but it's ultimately Him who's going to get the glory. He's doing the healing. Do you see it? Verse 13, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So before Paul ever addresses their error, what does he do? He prays for them. Specifically, that the Spirit of God would give them knowledge of His will. And from this passage we just read, we see that God's will is this, to take hold of the hope of the gospel. If we truly take hold of this hope, it will show in our lives. If we truly understand the hope for which we are grasping, It takes hold of our lives, and the way we live proves that we actually have this hope. This is what waiting on the Lord is, by the way. It's not that you do nothing while you're here, but you so eagerly are awaiting and confident that what God said is true, that you live like it right now. If you knew, and some of you are excited because right after this you're going to lunch, right? 
You're like, if you knew that a great meal was coming, and maybe at the end of today, Gordon Ramsay was going to cook for you. And more than just that, the, your favorite meal. You, know, you pick the meal, he cooks it and makes it like, you know, he elevates it to his Gordon Ramsay Michelin star level. Would you spoil your appetite on things right after the service? Maybe you might eat a little bit to tie you over, but would you, spoil, would you gorge yourself on the all-you-can-eat buffets of life? This is what waiting on the Lord is. If you're truly convinced that something better is coming right now, you eagerly wait. If I know that I'm going to Texas Day Brazil, a restaurant in Miami, it's a Brazilian steakhouse, it wouldn't be unlike my brothers and I to not eat anything that day because it's an all-you-can-eat steakhouse. We want, to, we want that feast, you know? And so we might fast for that day. It might look a certain way. Why? Because where we're headed to is going to affect the way we go through what we're going through. If I truly believe something better is coming, I say no now to certain things, don't I? So when you truly grasp the hope of the gospel, it looks a certain way. So why does Paul pray for them? Because he can speak with the eloquence of angels, but unless the Spirit of God goes before them, they're going to be deaf. They need to find and grasp the hope, and only God can reveal the spiritual truth in in their lives. And my prayer for you as a congregation is that you'd see it. I can speak with the tongues of angels. And unless God reveals his hope to you and the fruit that it produces in the gospel, it's going to be me speaking and it's going to be falling on deaf ears. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this. So Paul prays that God would give them wisdom and understanding through his Holy Spirit. Why? Because when we truly have wisdom from God, when we grasp the hope of God and live like it, we live lives worthy of the Lord while we're here. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is true and reasonable worship. Go look up Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We praise Him in every way. But what does a worthy, pleasing life look like? Well, Looks, a few, look like, looks like a few things according to this passage. One, it bears fruit in every good work. Well, what bears fruit in every good work? Well, remember, it's the gospel in, at the beginning of the chapter that's showing us that bears fruit, so we have to have our eyes on the gospel. Two, what else does it do? A worthy, pleasing life grows in the knowledge of God. Three, a worthy, pleasing life is strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. Well, why do we need to be strengthened by God's power? So that In the meantime, while we're here, we might have great endurance and patience knowing that something better is coming. So the passage says is we might have great endurance and patience. And then four, finally, a worthy and pleasing life gives joyful thanks to God. Why? Why do we give thanks? Because He has qualified us when we were disqualified ourselves. And He qualified us to share in the inheritance, that hope, the inheritance of the saints, the inheritance of His kingdom. And how has God done this? Well, he tells us right at the end of the passage, through Christ and Christ alone. He brings us into the kingdom of his son and and he does this by redeeming us and forgiving our sins. So in the midst of this prayer, Paul reminds the Colossians of their need for the work of God and once again points to the gospel. And right after this, you'll see Paul starts to address the error. But he doesn't say... This is the heir. He rather goes into the truth about Christ. And then he presents who Christ really is right after this passage. 
But before Paul ever deals with any of that, we can see this in this passage that Paul wants them to know this. He wants them to know that he praises their faithfulness. He then reminds them of their goal and he points to the gospel. And then finally, he lets them know that he's praying for them, that God would open their eyes. How do you deal with people? Maybe this message has challenged you in this way. And you need to deal with people like Paul dealt with people in this instance. On the other hand, do you see how God has dealt with you? How loving he was and is, and he brought this message to you full of grace and truth. Through the word become flesh, he came to you and he said, yes, you're a sinner. And yes, this is the truth of reality. This is what really goes on in the world. And this is, this is what it means that, that if, if you are not a believer, you're lost. And if you're lost, you are, you are threatened by an eternity apart from God, the person you were made to be in a relationship with. That's the truth. But then God says, but I don't like that either. And not because you're good, but because I'm good. God says, I'm sending my son to you to die on the cross for your sins. You know John 3.16, God loved the world that much that he sent his son. And he opens it up to whoever believes in him. And that includes you. And my question for you today is, for those that are believers in this room, how are you dealing with people? Show them that you care. Show Show them without compromising the truth that you're there to win them, not the argument. Now, for my non-believers in this room, and just by the law of large numbers, I guarantee you there's some in this room, even some that have come into this church for years and years, but they've been doing it because it's a rule and it's not a relationship with God. They've been doing it because they think Christianity is a rule. You think Christianity is rules to follow, but you miss that it's actually a person to follow. It's Christianity, not rulesianity, right? It's about Christ. And he's enough. And you've, know, you've heard the message of the gospel, that you can have forgiveness of your sins through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. That you can have a promise of inheritance that will never fade. And the question I have for you is, will you receive this promise today and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? What does that mean you need to do now? It means you need to admit your weakness and say, God, I, I can't. I've been trying to get to you by my works, but I know I can't, but you can And you have to say, God, I accept your strength on my behalf and your goodness. And then actually receive him into your life and and live your life. Repent of your sins. Turn from them and say, God, I put my sins on the cross. You know what that means you need to do with your sins? It means you need need to leave them on the cross. You leave them there. And and then what happens when, when you put your sins on the cross? In fact, you put all of yourself on that cross. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. And if you die on that cross and you say, that death is my death as well. God says, you know what? Right now I'm going to give you new life. And that new life that's mine is also yours as well. A second chance. Put all that behind you. Don't make it about rules, but remember why you're here. You're here because of Christ. Are you trying to get to heaven or are you trusting in the sufficiency of what Christ has already done and who he is? Are you trying or are you trusting? Is Jesus your everything? Yes, he's my everything. Is everything enough for you? Or do you need more? 
Watch out for false teaching. And I want to give you an opportunity, if that's you, and you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender. And I'm going to say this about this. This prayer is not what saves you. What saves you is your faith in God. There's nothing magical about it, but what you're doing is you're starting your relationship by talking to God. And by saying to Him, God, I know I'm a sinner and I put my faith in You. And at that point you're saved, not because you did anything, but because you're acknowledging for the first time that God has done everything. That's what this point of, uh, is in your life right now if you want to say this prayer of surrender. You're saying, God, I'm stopping my work and I'm letting you work. And you're actually taking your hands off the wheel and, and you're getting your, your bottom out of the driver's seat and you're letting God get into the driver's seat and say, God, you're the master of my life. Now take over. You can do it better than I can do it. If that's you and you really want to come to know Jesus, surrender everything. Stop working and let him work. Trust in the sufficiency of Christ and accept that good news of the gospel right now. If that's you, say this in a prayer. Say, repeat this prayer after me and let him know in a prayer. Mean it. Make it your own. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for all the sins that I've done. I ask you, to forgive me. Lord, I acknowledge what you did on the cross was for me. I acknowledge that you rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to raise the dead in me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And be my friend. I will follow you as your disciple, trusting in you to do the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Did this message draw you closer to God, or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.